0: All right, I'm here with Ruby Lee, and I'm really excited because normally she's giving the podcast, interviewing people, but today we get to kind of flip the boot. So thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me on the potty. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Whereabouts are you? Because I know you're not in Australia at the moment.
1: I am currently in Huntington Beach, California, and it's um, just about to, like, the sun's just about to set. So well and truly on the other side of the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you—we've um, got a lawyer at the moment in New York, and it's funny because she's like complete polar opposite time zones to us at the moment. And you're probably a little bit less behind that. And we're you four hours difference with the East Coast.
1: Yes. So, East yeah. um, EST is really different, especially if you're calling in from Australia psd is a little bit more appetizing and there's like times like this where it just works really well
0: works well yeah so unfortunately for laura she's like working from 11 a.m new york time to 8 p.m new york time and then we get the crossover from 8 a.m australia time to 10 a.m australia time so um yeah anyway thanks for joining us you probably could be out it looks pretty sunny so maybe you could be out kind of just doing something fun
1: yeah. Well, do you know what? Everyone here, as we're recording this, everyone here is preparing for 4th of July celebrations. Oh, yes, of it course. is so epic here. I can mm-hmm. see all the flags are coming out and there's like big things happening in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's really mellow. I'm, I'm enjoying the lifestyle here in California. Very, very laid back, especially because we're right by the beach. So mm-hmm. yeah, loving it.
0: Well, that patriotic tomorrow, you'll need to get out there and sing the uh, national anthem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Except I might just hum the tune.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just all those high pitches. you just got to hit them at some point. That's it. (laughs) So So, I really want to love and hear your journey. I mean, I know it. I'm sure a number of the people that are listening uh, have followed you. In fact, um, before I walked out to kind of say, hey, I'm off to the podcast. Um, and one of our lawyers said, "Oh, who?" I said, "Ruby." He like, "Oh my God, I follow her. She's overseas at the moment." And I was like, "All right, people are stalking, people are knowing." <laughs> That's but, awesome. you know, Obviously, now you kind of run this amazing kind of coaching business, which you no doubt go through own your hustle. But give me the background: Where did you come from? What did it look like? You know, how did you get to now?
1: Yeah, so I started off in HR. So I was uh, in HR, and my specialization was in tech recruitment recruiting for tech startups and I was in that space for gosh over 10 years I absolutely love being a recruiter it's something that you know I think when I found that career it just lit me up from the inside out but Despite all of that, I always felt really called towards entrepreneurship and it was a real desire of mine to start a business. But, you know, with many people who have that desire where you get stuck and where things start to bottleneck is how, how do you actually execute on it? What are the things that that are going to move the needle? And, you know, how do I actually get to from A to B? And so for me, the journey began as a side hustle I started in 2015 and I was a resume and career coach. Made a lot of sense being a recruiter. Unfortunately, most of my work was rejecting people versus actually hiring people. And so I did actually really want to help the contingent of people who just didn't know how to write effective CVs. And that was great. I did that side hustle for three years and I built it up to the point where I was getting loads of referrals. I was working on it in my own spare time and it got to the point where I'm like oh my gosh I think I could really go all in mm-hmm. with starting my own business and that's one of the beautiful things I love about having a side hustle you know it gives you that runway and it's not you know always just like a desperate like time frame crunch on having that business all set up and perfect so that's just you know the journey I've been on but Where it started to get really interesting was as I had resigned from my day job, I felt this incredible like pull and call towards helping others start their businesses. And one of the big signs was, People were interested in why I was resigning. And I said, Oh, well, I, you know, had a career coaching side hustle. And they're like, wait, you had a side hustle? Tell us about the side hustle. How did you start it? What do you mean you made six figures in your side hustle? What do you mean it's all online? And all the questions were geared towards the side hustle. Yes. And I loved answering questions about it so much so I'm like, you know what? We're just gonna make this pivot and I'm gonna show people exactly how I did this in the last three years. And Um, it was March, 2018 and we went all in with the business, started a brand new niche. It's been 16 months and it's just been flourishing so much. So we've been able to travel the world and I'm now, you know, coaching thousands everywhere to, you know, really own their own side hustles and, and grow it into a business. So that's, that's the story in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) that's so good. And how long have you been doing this from the US for? Is just kind of floating there for a while or what does that look like?
1: I have been tra- traveling out of a suitcase for seven weeks. So it's extremely new Yeah. and we left Melbourne you know, in May and um, it has been just so awesome. Huntington Beach, California has been a real dream of mine to be in Orange County. I've always just been very drawn to it. So we've really stuck here for some time uh, and we're going to be here for a little while longer and then basically just going where a lot of the speaking engagements are and whenever I'm invited to speak, I'll go there and we'll plonk there for a little bit. So, yeah.
0: So exciting. I mean, that freedom, right? Just to be able to kind of do whatever from wherever um, and kind of own it is, yeah, it's powerful. and No doubt we'll get through that. But I have a question. Um, because I did the same thing in terms of managing a full-time job and then having a side hustle. Um, And I know how I kind of got through it, which was just work crazy hours. But for you, I know that you kind of give advice this all the time. I mean, how did you manage that? Obviously working full-time as a recruiter and then managing a side hustle, you know, were you doing things during the day? Did it happen after hours? Like what was that balance for you?
1: Yeah. And this is the thing. I think the side hustle is just such a, cool kind of sexy thing to do it's like oh yeah I've got a side business but the reality is is that it doesn't come without heaps of sacrifice and that can be in the form of you know not watching as much tv as you would have or not going out as much as you would have liked to you know drinks and dinners and all of that I really started to see two key behaviors you know, come from my lifestyle. One was I was making choices based on what was going to get me more of what I wanted. Now, more of what I wanted was living that nomadic lifestyle and being able to travel nonstop with an online business. So I would ask myself those questions right? Like, you know, by watching this Netflix series, is it actually going to get me to where I want to be? Or, you know, is it just going to slow down the process? And the other thing was I started to really look at time and productivity in it from a very different lens. I'm sure you would have gone through this as well, where all of a sudden it's like, wow, I've got actually so much uh, net time, like the time that you're using to commute, for example, the, the lunch breaks, the coffee breaks, the, you know, all those like moments where you go, what was I actually doing? Just probably like spacing out and, you know, thinking about what could be. I was now using that so much more effectively to build the business and create business building activities. And yeah, that, that's what it came down to for me. Can I just say right now, I'm not an organized person whatsoever, but I'm an no, but I'm an intentional person. So yeah. I approach everything with intention, knowing that if I have, you know, a half an hour on the train, I used to catch the train to and from work, mm. I would use that time to create an Instagram post and grow my Insta following. Or I'd use that time to create like a sales email or something like that to help me grow my business. And a lot, a lot of that, you know, I attribute to why I was able to scale so fast. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's just efficient use of time, right? And I'm the same. Like, I don't watch television. I don't do movies. I don't do Netflix. Uh, I listen to podcasts and I listen to audiobooks, um, but always while doing something else. And um, people are like, oh, it's so boring. I don't watch TV. It's like, I just want to learn. I want to do something. I want to progress whatever it is that I'm doing. And that's where I see value. But that's also my personality. And I feel like you and I probably have similar personalities now.
1: Exactly. Yeah, but exactly
0: the same. i get shit done rather than just kind of like chilling out put me on a beach and I'm fine with a podcast or like,
1: Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. And even things like I, you know, used to travel a lot for work. So, you know, airport to and from on the plane, et cetera. I mean, even those short commutes like Melbourne to Sydney and Melbourne to Brisbane, I would be like podcasts, like lining all of them up and just feeding my brain, feeding my, my soul and my mind with, you know, what I could be stretching and growing in. Regardless of whatever industry I was in, I always found like drawing from entrepreneurs and people that were doing big things out there and creating their own realities was so inspiring. And you pick up on those things, right? It becomes part of your DNA after a while.
0: Yeah. And I'm a bit the same. So I'm doing Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane every week. And I've been doing oh, wow. for about two years now. Um, but see, that's my optimum time to just get emails done, right? Because there's nothing coming in. There's no calls coming in. There's no one asking you any questions. And so it's like get as much done as I can on that time. Um, It's amazing how productive you can be.
1: So good, I do. I honestly, I think I do the best work when I'm on an aeroplane, and and that's like everything from creating offers and services and programs to content for the podcast. Like everything happens when I'm on the plane.
0: (laughs) Wi-Fi turned off. Like now, version of engineering. Wi-Fi, particularly Brisbane and Melbourne. There is that I know. Wi-Fi. is like, no, turn it off. I know. Wi-Fi. Give That'd me my so... time. This is my two hours without interruption. It's the worst. It's um, so true. Just to go back in that side hustle, you'll appreciate this story. One of my first businesses was a healthy food vending machine business. And so oh we thought it was a cool idea. I was a second year lawyer. Um, one of, two of my friends were investment bankers. We put this vending machine in this office building. We partnered up with the cafe to stock it up with stuff. And so we thought this was cool. It was all going to be fine. And it was just going to work by itself. The cafe would come in, stop the vending machine. People would buy their lunch, you know, fresh bagels and baguettes, yogurts, et cetera. Go easy. Go at the end of the day, collect yeah. the money and done. I remember the second day I had this call. It was like 12 o'clock. Um, and someone was like, I put my credit card in the wrong machine, in the wrong wow. thing. like, I need my credit card. And I was like, um, I'm the only one with the key. I'm at the bottom end of Spencer Street. This was on Spring Street in Melbourne. I was like, okay. So I literally spent an hour going. So left my job, went to the vending machine, unpacked it, unlocked it, got the credit card out, came back, fixed it. I was like, I don't know how sustainable this is. <laughs> they all sounded good on paper. But actually, no one worked out the contingency plan around having this side hustle, which we thought was just going to make money during the day while we were all working, but actually ended up spending more time just like commuting back and forth because of something going wrong.
1: Um, yeah, you needed to move the vending machine closer to Spencer Street.
0: <laughs> well, it's just Spencer really not so far it's been at um, Spring Street. But anyway, it just kind of shows you sometimes you have these great ideas as a side hustle, but actually the logistics of them sometimes don't quite work.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I think a lot of people ask me, you know, what is a good side hustle? What should I do? And, you know, there's so many different approaches to that question. But the ones that kind of go at it with there's a gap in the market and I think I can make, you know, a a lot of money. What happens is that if if it's not backed with the true passion or you know that true kind of connectedness to it eventually it will fizzle out if you or your business partners are not fully passionate about a vending machine that's healthy you suddenly go oh no it's not worth it right so it's like that kind of feeling is the thing that we're trying to avoid with your side hustle idea it's the let's go with what actually makes you show up each day to serve the people that you want to serve and you do it regardless you want to do it for free you know, you want to just help people and it is also a skill set, it's an expertise, it's something you're trained in, all those, all those things, you know, come into play.
0: You need to love it. Like, you know, I, you know yeah. good or bad, I've started five different businesses before Law Squared um, and I always say that the intention behind those businesses was to make me money to get me out of law because I hated being a lawyer. So, <laughs> yeah. I was not passionate about vending machines. I was not passionate about transport logistics. I was not passionate about this technology business that we started. I was, you know, I wasn't passionate. I just, like, saw a gap in the market, worked out that it would make us some money and so that I could then quit my job and I didn't have to be a lawyer anymore and I could do something else. Um, And fundamentally, it's a flawed mindset because you don't approach it. Again, vending machine. This is too hard. I don't want to leave my job in the middle of the day and Mm. go and work out how to fix someone's credit card. Um, And it's amazing just how easy you kind of lose that passion and enthusiasm. Whereas now, you know, we're three years as Law Square. This is my only focus. It's something that I'm truly passionate and I love. And you can just see kind of, you know, even if it wasn't growing, doing all those things, I continue to be motivated by the fact that we can create positive change. Um, and that's what's amazing. And even when we get approached by a whole series of startup entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, you know, the market is this, and this is what we're going to get. I was like, do you really love this? Like, you want to invest all this money getting off the ground? Do you really love what it is that you, you know, are trying to do? Because if you don't, then you kind of need to think about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what's the, what's the response that you usually get? asking that question
0: oh, the response always is like but no one else is doing it or like yeah. <laughs> well, we can do it better it's just like but do you love it like just because you can do it better if it becomes too hard you're just going to bail out anyway sure enough they do and it's not even to having conversations when and you would see this more than us but people who attend hackathons because they want to get an idea for a business and so they do yeah. hackathons or they join an incubator and accelerator or those pre-accelerator and like you know how to build an idea And again, they're just pulling ideas out of thin air because everybody loves this notion of entrepreneurship, be your own boss. But if you're not truly passionate about it, then it all falls apart. There's nothing worse when you have a hackathon that's occurred, a great idea that has come out of a corporate hackathon, three people who have never met before other than the weekend. They spend an entire weekend working together on a business model and all of a sudden they want to incorporate and they're going to go like gangbusters and go global in like three weeks. This is a recipe for disaster um, on a whole series of levels.
1: Have you seen that? Oh, I forget what it's called, but you know that reality show. It has like Gary Vaynerchuk in it, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Alba. They're all investors, right? Yeah. And it's like specifically to do with like mobile apps. And it, it, there was a season of it, and it was oh, and Will I Am from you know Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Anyway, they were all in it. It was so cool. That was definitely a series I watched, <laughs> and it was interesting because there were a lot of entrepreneurs with ideas who wanted to just come to the table and be like, I need investment and this is what I do. And almost every single one of them asked, what's the story? What's your story? And the ones that got the investment were the ones that had that love of it, that story, that, you know, that spark of an idea that came from something that happened in their own lives or something that they could see change in, and the others that just totally fell flat. Well, it's like, what story? I need a story. It's like, or I need to be connected to this thing. You know, I'm, I'm so great at business. It's like, regardless of that, investors are not interested, right? Like they want to know that you love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. And I think you need to love it because otherwise this becomes your everything. And you know, no doubt we'll have a quick chat now around own your hustle and people who go from just a side hustle to their full-time kind of gig. They leave their jobs. If you don't love it at that point, you're putting yourself in a whole lot of jeopardy.
1: That's it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think about the stages that I coach in, right, is like, you've got your um, idea to launch, which is what we've just talked about. Then it becomes launch to income actually working out right. Like, what are my offers, how am I diversifying and how am I creating um, that sustainability around income generation while still working nine to five, then when you crack through that, then it's income to growing a sustainable company, right? Like knowing that not just is it like covering the bills and all that, but you're able to grow, reinvest, Mm -hmm. hire staff, uh, feed into the infrastructure of your business to help it grow and grow and grow. So they're the three phases and it's so interesting to see those that do move through that successfully and those that fall off at different stages and why that is. And, And honestly, most times it's mindset You know, it's the resilience and the grit and the, you know, I know I can do this, even though I can't see, I can't actually see the results right now, but I know it's mine to have. It's the mindset part. And we just don't get to talk about that enough in anything, like in business studies, if you are going through uni, all of that, like I graduated with, um, with an honors in commerce, there was definitely nothing talked about (laughs) mindset. There, right it's just not a thing and yet when we think about starting our business so much of it comes back to that the self-worth thing feeling like an imposter who am I to start a company and a business who would want to engage me as an expert authority it's mindset right like you know it's pushing through that so honestly a lot of the work that I've been doing with my clients has been focused on the strategy, but what I call, you know, the soul aspect, like linking into what do you truly want to put out there to the world and, and how do you choose to shine the way that you only can, right? Like not anyone else can do it the way you do it.
0: Yeah. And I just following from that. I always say, nobody's high-fiving you at 3am in the morning. You've got to high-five <laughs> yourself, literally. And if you're not in the mindset that you can high-five yourself at 3am in the morning, then this isn't for you because entrepreneurship is not easy.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's very, it's very hard at times. I think, you know, we've all been those moments where it just, you kind of go, what am I doing? And, you know, it comes back to, you can have as many coaches and mentors show you the way and light the path and all of that. But if you don't believe you can do it and if you're not backing yourself, then who will back you, right? Yeah.
0: Right. So I want to chat quickly about co-working, get your thoughts on co-working. So yeah. this podcast is supported by WeWork um, and we have offices in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane out of WeWork locations and i have been a big advocate for co-working uh, for a long time because when I started Four Squared, we started in a co-working space in Melbourne that wasn't a WeWork, WeWork didn't exist then. And I say that I, there's no way that I could have grown the business, particularly in that first 12 months, without the support of just having a co-working space, a really strong community manager. And I was a solo founder, so it was just me and kind of a whole bunch of other people in this really great environment. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people come to you for advice around kind of starting a business and a side hustle and, you know, do they work from home, et cetera. What are your thoughts on co-working?
1: I started my side hustle out of a co-work space, so I'm going to be like pro-co-work. Because... <laughs> yeah. It was also a place where I was able to really feed off the energy of startup entrepreneurs and solo business owners and, you know, early stage entrepreneurs. All of that was a really huge benefit to me. So the co-work space I was in particularly had a lot of tech entrepreneurs. that had an accelerator in it. I was able to speak to investors and VCs and founders. So this was, this was the place where I was able to go, whoa, I've just normalized my world because as you're starting a business, if you're not surrounding yourself with people that just continuously just get what you're, you're about, it can become a very confusing environment. If you're in um, like a, an environment where people are constantly questioning your side hustle, it's not necessarily the strongest foundations to, you know, kind of like <laughs> to kind of grow from. So I'm very, very thankful that I was in that space. Today, I don't work out of a co-work space. I work from home. I work from the beach. I work from a cafe. I love being surrounded though by people. So there's something about that. Um, I definitely miss it. I will, you know, continue to search for co-working spaces, maybe even a WeWork. There's a couple like all around the world that I want to try out. Different spaces will bring different energies to your business. So I would encourage it if you're someone who is, you know, I guess, I guess, more so lent towards working with others, even whilst you're working in your own business and you're a solopreneur, begin in a co-work space. It feels great and it's fun. There's after-work beers and all of that. And the after-work drinks are so different at a co-working space because initially it's like, what's your hustle? What's going on? Like, you know, I love that. It's like it goes straight (laughs) into a business chat. And that's where, you know, you yeah and and then people are always thinking about how you can collaborate or hey i'll hook you up with this person or yeah come to this event it's it's wicked and so that part as i'm speaking about it now i'm like yeah. man i need to look up a we work <laughs> in california
0: <laughs> the power of kind of community as well and i'm you know again being a solo entrepreneur like and i'm not very good at my own company like i need a lot of energy around me um it's just yeah. not be surrounded by Well, by like-minded people, but not the same profession. So, you know, lawyers, for example, there's nothing worse than being stuck in a whole floor full of lawyers. Like, that's not fun for everybody because you're all having the same (gasps) conversation at the water cooler in the kitchen. Um, But Mm. actually, when you go in there, like, hey, what are you doing? And somebody's, like, working on some environmental waste product and somebody else is working on a new cool tech CRM. And, you know, people are just doing completely different things. And often, you know, at the early stage, working by themselves, it gives them that really great support network. And again, have the community manager or community team who just connect people. You know, the great thing about co-working space is that their success on the basis of other people working together. Um, that's what I really love about it.
1: That's it. I totally agree.
0: Yeah, so good. All right, so you're 16 months in and you're kind of now doing this, living out of suitcase thing for a couple of months. Tell us, what does the next little bit look like for you?
1: Oh, so much growth. I just sat down and did the strategy for 2019, 2020. Yeah. So for us now, it's about hiring and scaling outsourcing, working out what can be automated. So it's that phase of really investing back into the tech platforms and the sustainability of the business because ultimately I'm not someone who's going to grow a business that isn't also going to allow me to have freedom, right, and isn't going to allow me to have time to just take two weeks off and go sit in the Canary Islands and just, you know, freaking love life. I don't want to be that entrepreneur that's like tied to the laptop. the time so this next phase in business is going to be about you know growing the brand it's going to be about scaling it for passive income and it's about big launches being a coach you know you can you know be like a signature um coach where you have like you know several different launches a year or you can multi-launch and you can diversify that way for us it's really about having those big launches coming up to you know help the business really grow in that sense so Yeah, very excited and the international speaking part of the business is thriving, which is what, you know, got me out of Australia in the first place. I'm following like where the opportunities lie. So New Zealand is first, speaking in California, speaking in Atlanta, speaking in New York, speaking in London. So just going, speaking in Denmark. So there's a lot on the cards for 2019, 2020.
0: Yeah, that's huge Uh, and it's so exciting. I mean, for me, a big world on kind of 16 months and just kind of going owning it and just being like, I'm out. This is me on my own and kind of just running that lead is really exciting. And thank you so much for joining us. All over from California, you're our first international guest officially. Ah, um, does yeah, that count? I'm, now?
1: I'm actually an Aussie. Does that count?
0: We're going to count hour. that. <laughs> you have the jurisdiction. So we're going to say international guest. Um, we but I really did. thank you for taking the time out, particularly because I know it's out of hours um, and sharing so much knowledge around owning your hustle because, again, most of us have been there and gone through it. And it's really about the power of the collective and achieving that. So thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Dimitri. Lovely to meet you.
0: No worries. You too.